Alrighty, so uh, welcome everyone and uh, welcome to our podcast Skits Up for another week of Hollywood goodness. So thanks uh, very much to everyone that's listening to us on any of the podcast platforms. Um, we're very happy that we're actually getting listened to. So uh, it's uh, it's really awesome. Today, we have a really good episode for you because we actually have, aside from our usual Canadian host, we have one more Canadian on the show, which is going to be pretty awesome. So uh, today, uh, let's say first our usual welcomes before we... Uh, we actually go into our guests. So, Frank, say hi. Say hi. Awesome, Frank. It's uh, It's been a while since I heard that. I know you've missed it. It's I, nice I to I have did. Frank back. It's nice to have you back. Yes, it is nice yeah. to have him back. Awesome. Someone needs, to, someone needs to compete against all this gobble and loving. Exactly. <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, and uh, now, Darren, say hi. How's it going, eh? Nice, nice. And as a, as a guest, we have Manny Hale. So welcome, Manny. Good evening, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Nice. Hey, Manny, you, you're not saying the hey. Um, no, I don't say that all the time. I do uh, <laughs> when I run out of words. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> It'll come out. Oh, he'll come out, eh? <laughs> yeah, eh? <laughs> I've heard it more from you. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. All right, so let's get started on this show. So first of all, we'll uh, go through our usual round robin, and we'll see what everyone's been up to. And I know that Mr. Moradieos has a pretty good update, so we're going to leave him at the end. And then we're going to go with Manny, and uh, we'll segue that way, as usual, into our main topic. So, uh, Mr. Darren, what's been up on those northern borders? Oh, way too much. Way too much. So, I actually got out to fly a couple of weeks ago, brought the logo and the XL Power out, and only flew the logo. <laughs> It was a cold, miserable you're, you're day, but I figured I'm me. going to go. Well, hold on, just, just, just hold you're on. You're dead to me. It, it <laughs> so I, I actually wanted to fly the XL Power, so I got the the battery charged for the logo first. So I went to go and fly that, and then went to go pull the XL Power out of the truck. And unfortunately, I discovered that the tail box had come loose on me, and I didn't have any of my tools with me. <laughs> So I literally could not go and fly it just because of the loose tail box. And I was quite disappointed in that. You but, should be. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Actually, one of the screws actually fell right out. Uh, the three oh, three of them were loose and one of them had come right out. And there was Loctite on them too. I did check. There was Loctite on them. Yeah, you must huh. not, you, you didn't clean the screws then. Uh, I actually did clean the screws, but apparently not did, very well, I guess. Did you check the expiration date of the Loctite? Uh, that actually, yeah. that Loctite, it was pretty new. It was, I actually think I bought that Loctite for the build. Huh. So I think I just didn't do a very good job of applying it or something. Okay. So anyways, so yeah. And then I went to go fly again this weekend or this Saturday. And I had battery problems. I ended up buying some new batteries last year, but I hadn't actually had a chance to use them yet. Sorry, Frank, I didn't do the Maniacs. You're dead to me. 
I'm sorry. Oh well, you'll you'll forgive me eventually. Well, there's a chance of that. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> What's your chance of that? And one of the batteries, the cell was really really low, what? and so I it took like several hours for to go and rebalance and everything like that to get the batteries up to balance. And by that point, I already had a, an appointment to go and visit with my brother yet too. So I ended up not getting any flying at all. See, and unfortunately, if you would have flown Maniacs, you would have yeah, these fishes. Yeah, but Manny doesn't sell Maniacs batteries, so I hey, can't. Manny, we can, make, we, can make anything, we can make anything happen. All it takes is time and money. That, that <laughs> is true. I believe that. Lots of money. <laughs> unfortunately, we've had some other stuff happen here up here in Canada too. And I'm, to be honest, I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail. Partly because... So we're recording this episode on February 28th. This episode will get released on March 26th. So there's going to be a lot of things that can change. But things have been not doing too well between Mac and Transport Canada up here in Canada. And so unfortunately right now I am not able to fly again. Uh, we, I didn't mention anything. I hadn't actually talked about this earlier, but there has been some political stuff that's been going on and a bunch of the country or all of the country actually got shut down. And now some of the clubs are able to fly again, but not all. And my club was, is able to fly, but unfortunately other things have happened. And the sad part is this has been bad enough that to be honest, I am really... I'm really trying to decide whether or not I even want to stick around with the hobby right now because things have gotten so bad. Uh, I'm seriously think considering that right now. And I really don't like, yeah. And and I'm not happy about it. That's for sure. And uh, I'm hoping this is why I don't want to go into too much detail, but I'm really hoping that things will change here in the next few weeks, even maybe by the time the podcast gets released. But yeah, I think we'll it see will. what happens. It, I it hope sounds so. sounds like the FAA and and AMA crap that we had here yeah. in the state. So well, I'm pretty sure that we'll get, we'll, you'll get over it. It's similar but different. But uh, other than that, I did get to do some bunch of work on my scale helicopter, and I've moved forward. I've actually got. Uh, I went and pulled all. I took the mechanics all apart and took a look at them. And the mechanics actually looked like they were in better shape than I thought they were, actually. Other than I still don't know about the head yet. I got to go and... I need to try and figure out a good way to go and check the feathering spindles on the five-blade head without being able to take it apart because I can't pull it apart. And other than that, I think that's pretty much about it. Been doing a little bit of indoor flying as well and enjoying that. I've... Somehow I dropped my Oxy-2 on the floor and it threw everything out of whack. didn't actually break anything. It just threw all the servo arms out of whack. So I got to go and reset up the Oxy again, which is a pain. But uh, I can sell you, I can sell you one. Yeah. It's still a small heli. It is a small heli. And I just, it it flies great for a small heli. It's a fantastic flying helicopter. It does. It It is. You can't beat it. But it's a small heli. Facts. So, yeah. 
And I think that's pretty much about it for me. Otherwise, not a whole lot happening. Oh, well, that's that's uh, that's pretty big. I hope that your prediction doesn't come true, my friend, and uh, that yeah. you stay with us and uh, that things turn around over there politically. I I really yeah. hope so because it's it's in detriment not just of you but you know a whole bunch of people. But uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. For now, like for now, I can at least go and keep flying my MCPX. That one I can keep flying. So okay. But do you? But do you even want to? Not really, but it's better than the sim. By about 1%. By 1%. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> All right. Okay, so um, I'll selfishly go next. So um, I actually did something in the in the hobby. It was very, very small, but, you know, it, something is something, right? I rediscovered why I hate EC5 so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, it's it's a pain in the butt to to get to get them in the casing. It was it was a horrible experience. Uh, however, there's light at the end of the of the tunnel, and I, and I'll get there. But you know, I went and bought and w- I went to Harbor Freight and um, got these little hands to help with soldering that have you know magnifying glass and everything. You know, I tried to get. You know, several different sets of tools to try to help me to to figure this out and to make, you know, better solders. And, you know, uh, I I bought this tool from Progressive RC, which is called the EC5 Punch, which is basically just like a punch on, on and supposedly on the, it's kind of like a semicircle at the bottom so that you can line it up with the, with a the bullet and just get a hammer at it and punch it right through the case. Well, I bent the thing. <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to get it into the case. I mean, I just, for the life of me, I could not get it into the case. You know, I was so frustrated, so upset that everything I did, I couldn't get the freaking bullet into the, into the casing. And then I went to YouTube and I found a video about a guy because there's, there's tons of videos, right, of how to do it. There's people that do holes from plywood. There's people that put it into a vise. There's people that use screwdrivers. You know, there's a whole bunch of different methods. There's people that put the casing in and then try to pull to pull it the other way around. You know, there's all sorts of, of different methods, right? But then I found a video and I found like the simplest, easiest, most, uh, I don't know, the, the very best way to, to, to do this thing. And I could not believe how easy it was. So basically, what you do is that you know, if if in my in my case, I was I was doing the lead for the ESC. So you grab you know the other side, you know you know the other the other end, the one that goes to the battery, but without the battery, the guy actually the guy on the on the video actually does it with a battery, with a live battery. But you know, I didn't want to do that. So what I what I did is that I used. The actual connector. So I got the the connector that goes to the battery. I put the bullets in. Those are very easy to punch in with basically with a screwdriver and with a hammer because because they're the they're the female bullets. So they're very very easy to get into the casing actually without you know without the wire. You know if you just put the put the uh, the, the the casing upside down and then insert the bullets and then just punch it in. It's very easy very very easy to get them in. So I got them in, and basically what you do is that you put the casing first, then you put the wires, then you solder the bullets 
on the side of the ESC. Then you use the other side, you know, the other, you know, basically just the connector without wires, just with the bullets. Then you fasten them together. And then you use, uh, I don't know how to call them, but they're these, um, like a grench or like a plier that you can change the, the size of the opening to it, the size of the mouth, I guess you could say. You know, you, you can you can move it onto different Channel sizes. Locks. Yes. Channel locks. Channel locks, yeah, those. So you open them to the size that you that you know that's that's the the east the two easy five connectors together, and then you squeeze it in and pop it goes in so freaking easy it was unbelievable. I mean I I couldn't believe how easy it was after all the the, the destroying of multiple easy five connectors the destroying of the of the little easy five punch tool you know the the how frustrated I got and it was so easy. So freaking easy. So if anyone's listening to this, I can't believe how easy it was with that little method to just use those, uh, you know, basically use the other side connector, get it in, and then you just use those to, to punch it in, and that's it. You know, it's super, super, super easy. I couldn't believe it. My mind was blown. So I took, uh, I took the voodoo out of, of the EC5 connectors, basically, and I was really, really happy. So now my ESC is complete. It has the connector. I did my very first 12 bus connection. So, you know, I had my, my little EC5 hardness and I connected two 5,000 batteries. I connected the motor and the motor lit up. Nothing, nothing exploded. There was no magic smoke, you know, nothing of the sort. You know, everything went well. Everything is fine. So at least that part is ready. So I'm I'm very happy to report that you know I made my very first 12 volt connection without any any issues and took the voodoo out of the of those EC5 connectors. So I'm I'm really happy with 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 that uh, with that small achievement. Other than that, I also did a quick uh, video. Um, remember that we had uh, Mr. Mr. West here of uh, of West Hobbies RC, and he he. You, one of the videos that he has, he uses fabric paint to 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 use them instead of the of the hot glue on the connectors. Or you know, some people use tape, some people use hot glue, some people use shugu to to keep the the servo connectors fastened on the flyberless unit. And he uses fabric paint. So I started. I bought that to try that out, but I used that on the Nano S2 and it worked, you know, in, in a lot of good ways to fasten one connector and to actually fix center of gravity issues and also to fasten the little tail fin, which uh, vibrates a lot. So I did a video about that and I spent a whole bunch of time trying to see, uh, you know, how to make a little bit better video, you know, a little bit, um, you know, I spent a lot of time watching how you know pro youtubers do videos so i tried to make it a little bit better you know started with the helicopter doing a lot of crashes to to entice the the viewer to stick to the to the video and at the end i did like a montage with different movements of the camera that i also learned from a guy you know how to do better movements kind of like if you had like a floating camera and better shots of the heli. So I had a lot of fun with with the little video, and it's actually doing well on 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 YouTube. So so I'm happy about that as well. Uh, the one thing that I'm not happy about is that my book hasn't sold. So um, I just have seven copies sold. 
So, uh, well, seven seven on iTunes and two on Amazon. So, uh, so just uh, make sure that you go in and purchase that that book, the end of it all, so that I can continue on building my raw. Every single penny of that goes to the raw. So, um, I guess that's uh, that's it for today. So, um, we can so, segue into Mister Frank. And if you took nitro, on, I swear on. I'm gonna go hold for on. a drink. Yeah, hold well, we on. We got some questions. We got some yeah. questions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. First of all, what what are you talking about fabric paint? And are you using that to hold your connectors in? Yes, yes, fabric paint. I mean, just like that. I mean, you go to, I don't know. Uh, Hobby Can you send K- me a link of the one that you got? Yeah, sure, sure. I'll send you. Well, I actually went and bought it at Michael's. So okay. I don't, I oh. didn't buy it online. I went to, you know, an actual craft what, store. What, and, what and kind of animal are you? Shopping, <laughs> actually going to stores and shopping. <laughs> Yeah, oh my I, god, dude! Nineteen ninety-five really call. They, they, they want you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Actually, I've mean, heard of that it, one before. It's basically that puffy yes, fabric paint. Correct, correct. I, I have heard of that kind of thing being used for something like that before. Yes, I'm trying yes, to look I at it to... on Amazon and I can't find it. I don't know. I, there's so many options. I don't know what to do. Yes, it's you know it's, that, it's really good. I'll just send you a picture of what I have. So that you know, so that you, you know the one it. that I that I use a lot that I've been using for a while, foam tack glue. That stuff works mm. amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's what's my yeah. been my go to, but it takes forever to deliver. And I already ordered my Amazon stuff this week. Is that easy yeah. to pull off though afterwards too? Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to use a pair of pliers, but it will pull, it will it'll pull off. Yeah, I just go and make my double sided tape extra long, and then use that to stick it up the bottom side yeah oh so you, yeah that's oh, that's okay. what i used to do as well mm. so i got a question though javier okay. isn't the whole point of ec5s is to use a screwdriver and then punch the hole through your finger when you're using it <laughs> <laughs> yes that used to be the the de facto <laughs> proven and uh and perfect method yes because, I mean, because then every you, one then of us you, has done that <laughs> Yes, yes. Then you yep. could uh, you could say that you used DC fives because you had a band aid on your on your finger. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the reason why they made the EC fives is so guys would poke holes through their fingers with a screwdriver. Correct. So, yeah. It's 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 a mark. It gives you it gives you character scars, of course. So what I don't understand, and I, I, Javier is a conundrum wrapped up in an enigma. Why are you still using EC fives if you're going up to a seven hundred? Because I have everything set up to 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 EC fives. I mean, I you know me, I'm chi- I'm I'm a cheapskate. You know, I I can't afford to go to a to change to a different connector because I have you know my my parallel charging boards are EC five. All my cables are EC five. You know, everything that I have is EC five. My batteries are EC five. Everything is EC five. So if I if I were to change, I would have to make a relatively. I mean, to me, of course, not 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 to not to you, my dear friend, but to me, it would be a significant investment. To change connectors because I would have to, you know, get a whole bunch of connectors and, of course, invest a whole bunch of time to, to actually make the wires and make the the, the jump wire connections from EC5 to whatever other connector. You know, I did think about it. I did think about because the EC5 that I got came with those uh, Supra X S6 connectors, which were pretty cool. And I watched a video on how they uh, they get soldered and assembled. And it's super, super nice, super cool. But, you know, they're $34 for like a four pack. So, yeah, it, yeah. Would, get, it would get really, really expensive. So, so I, I did think about it. 
you know, I did think about it. I just said, I, you know, I should probably change connectors to something a little bit more sturdy. But you know, I'm gonna, you know, the the um, the ESC, the ESC that I have is a 130. I honestly don't plan to go ballistic with it. Uh, I plan to go not not head not low head speed, but not ballistic head speed. So I don't plan to run it through, you know, a whole bunch of amps. I don't plan to go crazy with it. So uh, I think uh, that, it, that it, it'll be fine. Okay, so I'm gonna ask another question to follow up. Why are you wearing a 130? And I, don't tell me money because there's other there's other options out there on a three bladed head. Do you know how hard that's gonna pull? Do you know how many amps the thing's gonna pull? I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fly it like other helicopters. And the reason why I went 130, because, well, I mean you haven't been with us for a while, but I got the electronics for free. So um, that basic that 130 got gifted to me basically oh that's awesome yes yes so all the electronics i mean you you haven't you haven't you haven't been with us for for a while but i've got um an, an amazing 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 person that i have uh you know an, an ego drift motor a hobby wing 130 uh, and a full set of expert kd1 service for free wow that's so, amazing Yes, it, it is. That, that, it is. It, it is mind-boggling. I know. Yes, it is. I, yeah. I still. I. I turn around, see them. I still can't believe it. Yeah, that's all really good stuff, man. Um, yep. I wish you the most, the best luck ever on it. With it. Yep. Yep. Even yeah. Though, yeah thank you. Yeah. So eventually, eventually, I do. I do want to put a two hundred in it, and you know, and and get the the helicopter to a to a higher head speed and use that that 130 on the 570 so that I can change it to like 7S or 8S. But of course, that's, you know, uh, far away in the future. I mean, for now, I'm just going to baby it and, uh, you know, not not go crazy with it because I am aware that, you know, I could overamp that thing. So I'm just I'm just going to go easy on it. Um, I actually was planning to buy like a higher count pinion, but I don't think it's worth it. I just I'll just use the uh, the one that came that came with the kit. And uh, just baby the thing. Um, use a, a medium high head speed. Uh, don't don't go you know like super crazy with it. And uh, you know take care of the investment to make sure that I don't that I don't face a a, a goblin size bill a crash bill anytime soon. And uh, you know just you will. Uh, go crazy with it. You will. It just a matter I know, of time. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. But uh but you know for now I, I wanna I wanna make sure that it's that it's taken care of. <laughs> Protect it all you want, my friend. Protect it all you want. Yep, yep. Yeah, the other <laughs> the uh the 420 is the one that's gonna pick up the slack. Oh that was getting the abuse. You still yeah. have the five hundred and the five seventy? Yes, yes. The uh there's the four twenty, the five hundred, the five seventy, and the raw. That's uh that's the current fleet. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yes, I, all uh, goblins, of course. I got the. Um, I still have my five seventy and seven hundred competition in my garage. Nice. Well, those are the ones you got back from being stolen. No, right? no, those, those I've always, I've never got those stolen. I got the other ones back too. Oh, okay. But... Yeah, I knew that you got those other ones back. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm up, right? We've, we've we've harassed uh, Javier yep. enough, and now yep. you are you're up. Frank, give us your. It's been months. We haven't heard from you. No, but I know you've been doing a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I actually been extremely busy. Uh, I'll start it off. What uh, last December? This past December was the last time I was on, or was the weekend before that? 
Yeah, it could have been last December that you recorded, yeah. Okay. So, since um, I got a bunch of helicopters, I got my, uh, I ordered like four helicopters and Raw, Raw's the, uh, the owner of XL Power. He's like, hey, are you going to test out the Nitro for us? I'm like, yes, of course. So, I got a prototype of the uh, XL Power Spectre V2 Enemy Nitro. There's only six of them in the world right now, so it's pretty cool. I got one of six helicopters in the world. And um, I'm very excited to say that some of the stuff that I talked to Rob about is getting implemented to design. Now, there's a shitload of stuff that I wanted to try that he's he didn't agree with, and that's okay. Um, I expect that. He's, he's designed more helicopters than I have. So I assembled. It's also the first time he assembled a helicopter without a manual. There was no manual at the time. So I was literally taking pictures and having Raw and Nick tell me that I was doing it wrong until I did it right, which was which was pretty cool. Yeah, so the build went by super easy. A lot of the similar stuff of the regular V2 as far as the head geometry and the tail, that's all pretty similar. The frames are a little bit narrower, but still really, really rigid. And the new clutch assembly is just so, it's just so cool. It just helps you, you can pull the motor off really quickly the helicopter so it's it was a lot of fun for me and i enjoyed it a lot so i'm excited about that so how difficult uh, is it to remove that engine then so essentially you got to pull the skids off and then the bottom plate which is equivalent to six screws then you have to pull your pipe unless you have a very short two and a half millimeter allen angle so you can pull the motor off on the motor side and you just use a regular two and a half inch hand wrench or whatever you use for the other side where it's just not that and then what you do is you pull the bottom plate the back plate off the nitro and then raw designed this really cool tool to hold it in place and actually let you screw in to to the existing holes for the nitro on the nitro and then you pull the fan shroud out and after you have the back plate tool set in there you just go from on top through the starter hole uh, and you can just unbreak it that way and then the whole motor would just fall right off okay so, so you it's, can it's not that difficult to release that engine from the whole clutch stack assembly then not at all you can actually the whole clutch stack stays in place and you just remove the motor oh okay that being said is i blew up my first motor in it and i didn't know that it was blown up until i got to rcho which is the point of me going to RCHO because I had a helicopter to, to kind of uh, display. So we couldn't start or fly. And then, you know, we were just talking about a little earlier about Rob McClellan or McToon. And we took the motor out to show. Uh, and then he went on there and there was not. It's, it's a. My motor right now is running and it's running really good for being blown up. But all that came because of uh, Rob McClellan and Tom Chin sanding the sleeve and the piston and putting a new ring in for me to get it to run. And it runs really good right now. Like, actually, I have a video of Devin flying it, and it was just ripping the sky. So, wow. super excited about that. Um, and so, that was pretty much most of, the, most of my fun until this past weekend, which I got to go to RCHO. And I've gone four times in the last two years to their events, and they never, ever, 
ever let you down. It's just always such a fun time hanging out with those people. Jay and his team put on an amazing event. You know, I I never see I've never, I've been to enough events around the around this country to see the amount of effort that people put in, but those guys just worked so hard at it, and it's and it was so good. And I had so much fun with them. And the late night shenanigans, you know, it, there, it's always a lot of fun there. But yeah, it was a twelve-hour drive there and a twelve-hour drive back, so you, it was a lot of fun. You didn't fly this that. time, no, sir. I, I drove this time. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. The event was great. Uh, my event is actually going to be on in seventeen days from tomorrow. So the next couple of weeks, I will be getting all the details uh, worked out and get them going. Uh, it's going to be really cool. I'm excited about that. So that's about, uh, and I just got my Taco Bell food, so I'm going to mute myself. And I'm, I'm pretty much done. So I'll talk to you guys later. And I thought <laughs> no, you were supposed kidding. to be talking for hours here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're threatened with a comment the size of my flavorless review. Yeah, but, you know, that was just more just to get you going than to, to actually make you put you through that. You know, I think I was pretty concise of my statements and, you know. I made my point across and, you know, told the really cool, all the cool stuff that I was working on and all the crappy stuff that happened by blowing up a motor. Like I did not expect it to happen, but I did. I think this is the first one I've destroyed myself. Actually, no, I destroyed a gasser motor too. So I'm one for one. <laughs> Just another reason why I don't like nitro. <laughs> oh my God. It flies so good. <laughs> Darren, I kid you not. It flies. Dude. Devin flew the piss out of it on RCHO, man. I'm gonna have it to check flew, for that video. It flew so freaking good. I'll get. I'll. I'll, I'll upload the videos to our chat. Okay. And, I, think, I think I saw it on Facebook, but I didn't actually uh, check it out. Oh, guys, I haven't had a chance to talk about planker talk. So I have uh -oh. become quite the planker. No. Yeah. 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 I got a big 120 cc gasser plane slick. 540 from extreme flight it's like 110 inches in wingspan it's just so freaking huge it's awesome i got that and i got a bushmaster a three uh turbo bushmaster from extreme flight <laughs> oh i also got did i talk about the ones that i got during christmas no no i haven't so i have a skywing 48 now so my plane collection has almost quadruple since i started with the little mamba in july or august of last year so yeah i've got a lot of planes and they're all just awesome i cannot wait to i'm gonna main the my big 120 cc hopefully either this weekend or the weekend after so maybe at my event if i get if i get the right people here to help me finish it up and that's about it hey frank see Where's I, I Frank? Longer. Yes, sir. <laughs> Where's Frank? Frank. Oh, <laughs> you know what? What, what, what did you do? I, you, I mean, there's there's a lot of talk about things in the sky and UFOs and alien abductions and stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's bound to happen. You know, I fly like I like one of the most extreme um, heli, not heli. Um, jet clubs in south florida so it's bound to happen it could be worse
you know, I want to give you all kinds of crap for being a planker and all that, but I got to say those big giant scale planes like that are actually pretty cool. I like, I, I've actually been eyeing some of those too, but haven't done it. Because every time I look at the cost of those and I go, no, I could just buy another heli for that. <laughs> you can buy, with the cost of mine, you can buy two. Yeah, exactly. You can buy two that, fully loaded 700s. Yeah. That Turbo Bushmaster is actually a pretty cool plane too, actually. Yeah. Oh, and that one is pretty cool because I'm actually doing some testing for um, and demoing the one of Scorpion's new motors. So pretty oh, happy nice. about that. Nice. Yeah. All well, right. that's it then. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Don't don't let him go more into planker talk. And keep him talking. Let his supper get cold. <laughs> there we <Yeah>. go. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, money. That's a good. That's, that, that's a that, great. That was take a good. That was good, you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, money. So that's that's a great segue into you. So. um do you want to share with us what you've been up to the last few weeks? Well, you know, as you may or may not know, we have long winters in our country here. So it's you get lots of building time. And I've actually got sidetracked a bit this winter from what I normally do. And I've been going through some of my old vintage machines. So I had an old XL gasser for years and uh, gone through it and getting it ready to fly for spring. Um, an old Minair gasser. I think it's 30 years old. <laughs> so that's going to be cool. Nice. Yeah. And uh, the, other, the other one that's been taking a fair bit of my time, I kind of put it aside now, I think it's ready, but a Rave 90. Fly bar again. Um <laughs> It's such a cool classic helicopter. Um, ended up rebuilding a ninety-one to put in it, so I'm looking forward to you know just just a personal project that one. And in the meantime, cool. I fly my Nimbus whenever I get uh, you know get the itch. I can uh, just step out the shop here at home and uh, plug in a battery and fly. It's that part's pretty handy. Man, I don't know. Actually, you know, Manny, our friend Kenny, he was actually looking at picking up a couple of used Rave 90s that were for sale out here on this end. Really? And, uh, yeah. I was... Ended up not doing it, but... Uh... Well, I, I, you know, if I found somebody that had a, a fly barless head, I'd probably just go ahead and take the plunge. But I'm not going to, you know, spend a bunch of money on it. I'll just leave it as it is. And, you know, because it is so cool. It's such a cool old classic helicopter they're just so solid mm -hmm. you know they're just yeah it's gonna be fun for a guy who's got a, a wall full of you know <laughs> modern state-of-the-art helicopters uh, makes you wonder why you're playing with those old ones but uh, that's the beauty of the hobby you can uh you know yep. even even as a business owner or most of my day lots of days anyways wrapped up around the business side so that's one of the things that keeps me going is just uh, personal projects. So are you going to stick with original servos in there too, or are you going to put modern servos uh, in them? I've put in modern, well, I should say kind of halfway modern. They're six-volt Futabas. So what are okay. they, nine, four, five ones? 
I think is what I've got in there. So that's in both of them or one of them? In that one. The other one is still the original high techs. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't I don't expect to do anything much other than just fly it around, you know, that one, yeah. to be honest. So we'll see. Oh, yeah, good. they you know, they all seem to be working well. So next uh oh whenever it warms up it's gonna it's gonna get it the engine see if you're running strong oh why not why not we might have some fun at some fun flies this year well we were talking about bring out the vintage we were talking about that that would be a somebody said well no no you can't really be vintage until you've got wood blades back on there and i've been there too (laughs) i have been there too i remember when we used to have to build our own blades and uh put your own lead in there and weigh them, cover them. Some of the covering we had back in the day, you I don't know if you remember it, Darren, but you slid it on and it was kind of like a heat shrink. We used steam to shrink the, the blade covering on. And I, I never got a chance to do that. I got in the hobby just as guys were stopping to do that. Yeah. A little, little bit after guys were had stopped. Because fiberglass blades were out already and whatnot by the time I... And carbon fiber still wasn't popular, but they were out. Yeah. Well, our hobby has just progressed so far from, ah, you know, back from the early 80s to what we've got now. It's just amazing. Yep. Yep. So. Wow. Cool. No wonder. So is that, that it for recent stuff then? Well, I guess I did get my hands on a new spirit fly barless. So I'm actually oh. quite excited about that. One of our local flyers has uh, kind of embraced them and I did a little research and I'm going to be bringing them in for retail. So oh, wow. to go along with that, I've got to learn about them. And I am yeah. super, super impressed with the way um, that they're supported online with the forums. It's so just really well done. Hmm. One of the cool yeah. cool features I'm looking forward to trying is um, the hard deck feature. That's uh, that is that's the one that's got my interest peaked. You know, I mean, I, I am a V bar guy, but this is um, again another sideline personal project. Nice, yeah. I I I used that uh, flyberless unit before I jumped into V bar. Yeah, and uh, I can say that it's pretty darn good. I I really liked it. I had all my helis with that, and uh, it it flies really well. It it's easy to configure. It has you know everything and more that you would ask for, like let's say an icon brain. And uh, on top of that, it has that module that you say that you know allows you to do the GPS. Yeah, and you know hard deck and the uh, the geo fencing and you know all of those cool things. So. So yeah, it, it's a pretty good unit. It's a pretty good unit. Um, I have, I have to say. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, I can set up an icon just about in my sleep, but they've just gotten hard to get. So, you know, I have to have something to offer my my customers. So that's going to be it. All right. Cool. 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 All right. So uh, you mentioned Manny, uh, you know, about you being a, a business owner. So why don't you take us a little bit back into the past 
uh, a little bit into your hobby beginnings and how you got started with the whole actually being a, a business owner in the hobby. Wow. Well, that's <laughs> how far back do you want to go? I mean, I started in the early 80s, like 81, I think, the very first little machine I had. And I think it was an American RC Mantis. I never did get it off the ground. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'd, one of the things that's different today from back then is we had no support. We uh, Cell phones and, and Internet and, you know, smartphones, that didn't exist. Our sole source of information was once a month RC Modeler magazine. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would just read that stuff and, and uh, just, just drink it in like water. And eventually, I managed to get my hands on a Cult Baron 20. And in 1983, I finally got it off the ground and got a picture. I still have it somewhere of a, you know, like head high hover. And I was hooked. I was hooked. And then I, from that, I went into a, a GMP Cobra. It was like a 40 size. I actually burnt out two motors flying that one. Just back in those days, that head had what we called coning angle. It's kind of like dihedral in an airplane wing. So they weren't flat. They were coned up a little bit. So the Cobra got lots and lots of guys into the, into the heli world. And it, I still have those mechanics taken apart in a box. That would be a real, real challenge to put something like that back in the air. But it could be done. You know, Did that actually help make it a little more stable, having that coning like that? Well, we believe that it did. You know, I mean, we didn't have tons and tons of comparison. I mean, their next model that that company produced was the competitor, and it was a, a 60 sized. You know, back in those days, nitro wasn't even, I mean, uh, electric wasn't even wasn't even a thing yet we couldn't even imagine that there'd ever be an option to nitro that came later because i've actually got an old schluter mini boy yeah that i would love to restore one day and it's got the blade set up like that too or it's a little bit of a cone angle like that and i've i've often wondered it's like because i knew that they were coned like that way back then and I just was curious as to whether or not that actually made a difference in the stability i mean i would think it would make it absolutely awful for inverted flying but upright i don't know whether it would actually help for stability or not well if i remember right if memory serves me correct i'm pretty sure that was in you know the literature that that they were saying that that was a a good way to learn but just made it more stable i mean you know our fly bar was that's that was the (laughs) the way that the machine was stabilized and we had a mechanical gyro and uh yeah, it was just all different. You'd fire the thing up and you'd hear your gyro running, you know, and it sounded almost like a little turbine running in there. That was that was pretty cool in those days. Hmm. So give us a little bit of idea what it was like to go for a day of flying with a helicopter back then. Like, was it really that much different or? Well, you know, there was a lot of tuning involved. I remember uh, my radio had a little knob on top and I could actually adjust the rate on my gyro, you know, and you'd, it, 
you'd have one adjustment for when you're hovering, and then when you actually went into forward flight, you needed to make another little tweak, otherwise your tail was uh, it would spin around on you, at least the way I had mine set up. You know, we, I was, there was just nobody, you know, to to work with or to, to get any information off. I was just, uh, that was alone, you know, and yeah. <laughs> Were you involved with a club at all at that time? Well, I lived, um, the nearest club to me was two hours away and there was, there was nobody flying helis. Mm-hmm. Later on, I got a couple guys into it, but uh, it was no, there wasn't anybody. Uh, you know, I knew about um, the in Vancouver. You know, I'd heard there was there was the RC heli guys down there, but never did go see them. Hmm. And did you actually air, fly airplanes at all at that time and as well or not? Oh, yeah. You know, I started flying airplanes as a as a little kid. I started with control line and I was kind of like Frank, you know. I was flying fixed wing then and, and still do, but my favorite is always going to be helicopters. It is just, I'm just fascinated by the, they're not supposed to fly. <laughs> Not yeah. not the way that they do today. I mean, the stuff that we do with our helicopters, you know, a full-size pilot just shakes his head. <laughs> yeah. So how did you actually get into RC flying in the first place then? Even just with airplanes and whatnot? Well, that is a really good question. It's just something that I'd always wanted to do, you know. And I remember being in a mall somewhere and seeing an airplane and, you know, uh, young and gosh, I didn't have, you know, the money to, that it took to get, get into that, but I just kept dreaming about it and slowly working away at it. And finally, you know, so with the, with the club that was two hours away, I was able to get down there once in a while and, and we could fly airplanes, but the helicopter stuff, I was on my own with that for a long time. And then what was it that actually got you the helicopter then? Like when you first saw that one helicopter, uh, I can't remember what you call it now, but when you first saw that one or how did you first even find out that helicopters were even around then or a thing? That's, well, they were in the magazines. Like I say, RC Modeler was was what we had and Model Airplane News, those two, you know, and I bought them every time we went to town. That was, first stop was the newsstand to get get the resources and there was always new information and you know and i kept those magazines for years there was a huge big stack of them and you know the, the information that we have now on our phone just replaced all that you don't have to keep all that stuff yeah i remember those magazines too i used to buy them all the time as a kid too oh okay. i always had the plans for the airplane in there but i was always the first thing i would look for is a helicopter what's the helicopter stuff in there yeah yeah, I remember Mike Moss was one of the guys yep. that, you know, I faithfully read his stuff. And one of the things I should mention, too, was back in those days, you know, I was just kind of playing around with it. But our transmitters had a switch for if you wanted to fly inverted, the moment that you that you either rolled upside down or flipped upside down, you'd actually flip a switch and it would move your controls around for you. Now, 
for the life of me, I can't remember which ones changed, but, <laughs> but I do remember that you bought a helicopter transmitter and it had an invert switch on it. And Mike Moss, the best I can remember anyway, he was the guy that kind of pioneered that do it and just learn how from mid stick down and you know, the way that we all fly now. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That was, that was crazy. You know, when we first started doing that, you know, we didn't believe that we would be able to get enough resolution. You know, we just thought it would be too jumpy because at that point, you know, I did have some other guys to fly with now and then, but, um, that was still a really big thing the day that we set zero pitch at half stick and same up, same down. You know, it was, <laughs> that was, pre- that was pretty nerve wracking to say the least. <laughs> so did you do much for RC helicopter events back then? Then Oh, you know, there used to be one over in Saskatoon in the nineties, I think. And I'm also remembering a couple guys in Edmonton that flew and uh, I watched them fly, you know, and it, yeah, that's just what you, you see somebody else doing it and say, well, surely if they can do it, I can figure it out. <laughs> so you just keep crashing and learning. You know, it was, the learning curve was, was huge. Yeah. Well, see, and that's the thing that I've thought, like I've heard, I've talked with other people, uh, you know, somebody that Manny, you and I both know is Phil, who's also been with RC Helicopters for a long time. And he's talked about going to events. And at that time, you'd go maybe with 10 guys or, you know, 10 or 20 guys and you'd have 20 or 30 helicopters. And maybe two of them would come home in one piece. Oh, yeah. And now it's basically (laughs) the other way around. No, the carnage used to be... (laughs) Literally, you know, people would be wrenching all day on their machines just to, you know, to try and get a hover in. We really have it good nowadays with, you know, with our yeah. modern, our modern mechanics, our modern power systems, you know, and our setup. And there's so much help. Like you can just reach out, you know, and I encourage anybody that's struggling just to reach out, you know, and pair up with a buddy. Man, that's that's just yeah. invaluable yeah yeah so take us a little bit further than you you you've been getting into helicopters and whatnot and started moving forward kind of a thing and how did how did it progress for you then well you know i just kept building and building my my knowledge and my appetite and hunger for it and you know i sort of dabbled in selling bits and pieces, you know, here and there. And then I was ready to make a move over to the West Coast and the opportunity come up to start a business and get into it seriously. You know, and I thought about it and it seemed like a really good opportunity. You know, the market seemed strong. There seemed to be lots of pilots around. And yeah, so you know, and, and that's that's changed a lot too. Back in the day, there used to be more distributors in the states. So my, all my Align product came out of the states. One step between the factory and to the guys there in California, Assurance RC. So 
Yeah, I remember them. I I used to sell a lot of a line. You know, it was uh, it was bread and butter. Used to sell to dealers, and when the drones came along, it really, really slowed down the helicopter market. Uh, it really did. But you know, you just change with the times. Other brands come along. I'm so happy that uh, you know when the opportunity came up to make a connection with XL Power. That's that's just been a really good, really good move for me. Happy about that one. Mm-hmm. And just for our listeners to know, I, you are you did used to be the Align dealer here in Canada and distributor. And now that you're you're now the XL Power, yeah, uh, main dealer and distributor for Canada as well. Yeah. So you know, with XL Power, you you also have the opportunity to bring in Proto stuff and. I honestly say I love flying my Protos machines. I've got an 800 that I just absolutely love. You know, I turn it down as slow as 1,000 on my idle one. And (laughs) on a slow flyby, those little tiny hairs on the back of my neck come up every time. (laughs) (laughs) So what is it that actually got you into the business in the first place? Like, why did you even start it in the first place? Gosh, I wish I knew. Sometimes I wonder why. (laughs) 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 To to be perfectly honest, I don't know how to even answer that question. I guess it was an opportunity, you know. I was approached. Did you buy it from somebody? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I bought an existing business. You know, I I was approached and... uh, then the rest, it just just snowballed from there. You know, it was a, right in the middle of a of a move, a relocation, and a really really interesting. When I was doing research on relocating and setting up a a shop, the first phone call that I made to uh, an insurance company, you know, to kind of have that business insured, happened to be an RC helicopter pilot. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so you talk about, <laughs> I don't know that there's many coincidences in life. Uh, Randy Champagne, and he's turned out to be, you know, just a stellar friend and um, flies my stuff. That was Randy, really? It was. Okay. It just, you know, and, and it's really <laughs> funny, Darren, because, you know, Randy's Randy's pretty solid and you know, and so he asked me, you know, a few questions. And then, of course, well, what's the nature, you know, of your business? And, and what is it that you're going to have for inventory that you want covered? And, you know, I told him, it, I thought he was going to climb through the phone, you know. <laughs> he, he, he literally, you know, he was, yeah. Anyway, he said, there's a, there's a good bunch of, flyers down here on the island and that'll be good to have you oh that's hilarious yeah it's you know so i used to go up we kept the name the same the the original name align rc canadian and ran under that for several years i know darren you've asked me before why i ever changed the name and how did how did that story you you, yes i was going to get to that (laughs) yeah yeah that was quite a it was Kind of one of those light bulb moments. Yeah. So the, the the name of your business now is Far Fast. Okay. And how where did how did that come? Well, 
I was at the post office and I had, you know, as usual, an armful of packages. And I was on really good terms with the people working there. So I set all these on the counter, these parcels. And um, I said, can you send them far fast? You know, just in one word. (laughs) And it just, it just hit me, said, there's your name. You know, bringing in new brand and and all that, I thought, you know, a name change is a good time. We built a new website and, uh, yeah, just kind of stuck right right from a simple thing like that. Hmm. So what is it like to be an RC helicopter business owner in Canada? Because there's not really a huge amount of RC heli pilots in Canada compared to somewhere like the U.S., you know? The our, our last podcast we had uh, uh, Paul Demers from South Africa, and we had him sort of talk about a little bit of what what you know the situation is like for him out there with dealing with RC helicopters, and you know they don't he doesn't have a huge customer base either because there's not that many people in South Africa that are flying, and so what is it actually like to be to to be selling out here in canada like you were talking about drones have definitely uh, hurt the uh, your the business a bit and i think that's been that way for pretty much everybody but what is it actually like you know you you mostly sell just to uh, those of us here in canada mostly i do you know i do sell actually when i learned about as I learned my website platform better, I, you know, I discovered I could sell internationally. So people will email me from, oh gosh, Hawaii, you know, UK. Uh, I even had a call from a gentleman in, in China this winter said, can you sell parts and ship them to China? I said, well, give me, you know, give me a little time and I'll check into that for you. So interestingly enough, I was able to just with a, it actually didn't take long at all. I just needed to turn on some settings. And so, yeah, the world of the internet is really, really changed the way everybody sells. But yeah, it's not like it was in the day when, you know, mom and pop stores in every little town, there's just, there's just not enough market for that. So it's, it's challenging indeed. Biggest challenge that I probably face that's happened in the last two years is the cost of getting goods delivered. The shipping has just um, gotten just, I'm going to use the word exorbitant. It's, it's just blossomed, you know, into what used to be a small, very small percentage of your actual cost. Now is it takes a, quite a bit of the meat off the bone. It does. Yeah, I remember Bert Kammerer talking about that too when we had him on last too. Just, you know, bringing a container over from from Vietnam was just the, the price. Was, what was it, guys? Did he say like quad, quadrupled or quintupled even or something like that? Yeah, it tripled if not four times what it was. Yeah. 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 He, said, he said four times yeah, the cost that it used yeah. to be. You know, and for a small business like myself to manage a website, you know, keep your data fresh, keep it accurate, keep the new inventory put in. Yeah, those are just things. But if you love what you're doing, it's just, you know, there were, there's some people in the world that would call it a dream job. So, I, yeah. you know, I still enjoy what I'm doing. 
I I'm I'm happy. So how do you how do you stay enjoying the hobby then too when it is partly your business? Well, like I was saying earlier, you know, you have to find things that bring you personal pleasure, and so you take take a, a personal project. You know, that's how I compartmentalize what I'm doing and say, okay, I'm going to work a couple hours on just personal, um, a personal project. And so that's what I do. I also enjoy wood turning and making things with my hands. That's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Those pens that you've built are actually pretty cool, actually. Oh, I had no idea I'd enjoy that. (laughs) <laughs> that stuff at you know this stage of life to discover it it's just it's just a lot of fun to see the shape change and completely different yeah. completely different than a one dot five turning a small screw you know <laughs> <laughs> now being that i you and I have you know known each other for a few years here, I know the answer to this, but for our listeners, is this your only uh only source of income then is the business or do you actually have other other sources of income as well well one of the one of the things that i people know man is usually gone in the fall i uh still actively hire myself out as a as a hunting guide in the in the north for big game animals so that i've been doing since Oh gosh, I think I carried my first guide license at 18. So somewhere over 40 years ago when I started that. And I'm going to continue to do that as long as health and, you know, as long as that opportunity is there. I'll probably get too old eventually, but uh yeah, I still I still I still love those quiet times and low tech we don't even have a cell phone where we're at. It's just uh, complete different to be off grid and, and no, no cyber, <laughs> absolutely no internet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So just like the movies, huh? Those guys that are the guys, the guides that take all these young kids into hunting. Yeah, it's just like that. You know, I mean, for the most part, most of the guys that I get are, are middle aged. You know, people that are successful in business or saved for a lifetime. And, you know, yeah, I I feel that I just really, really uh, live a blessed life to be able to do that and experience that, that kind of wild country. Just love it. Nice. Nice. That's that's really deep. Uh, you know, I think that uh, you're the first guy that we've had that does something like that. That's uh that's pretty cool. And uh, do you that? Do you say that you do that on the fall, so you don't do that on extreme weather conditions? Well, you just do that. Yeah, to- typically September, October is is when Manny's kind of off grid, and when my wife steps up and other friends, and so yeah, when the weather starts to get cold in the north, I get back and start planning my winter projects, winter builds, and scheming for what's new on the market what's you know what's happening what guys up to i'm always real curious you know you're gone for that long there's lots of things lots of stuff going on because the hobby never stops developing it's just every week there's something new on the market yeah so what would you call your in your opinion is the state of the hobby right now as far as and i i'm thinking pretty much all worldwide like you know, we uh, often talk about the 
the heyday of you know back 20 was it about 2017 2016 2017 kind of thing when it just like there were piles of people everybody wanted to start flying helicopters and learn how to fly helicopters and of course everybody was buying a t-rex 450 at that time too to go and learn on and whatnot and it's even from that recent from then to now the the whole state of the hobby i think is has changed in a lot of ways and how how do you how do you see the hobby the way it is right now and how do you see it going well kind of in our future you know it's 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 a that's a real that could be a really really long winded answer and i don't <laughs> it we're definitely in a in a you know in our part of the world anyway it's a, it's challenging time people have less money to to throw at their hobby than they used to and i think that's just a reality and um People, you know, it, you have to really want to learn to fly a helicopter to be, to be that dedicated to learn it from the ground up. You know, the other machines we're talking about, they're not that way. You buy them and charge them, and an hour later, you're a rock star. It's, it doesn't work like that with helis. Although I am seeing some pretty amazing little stabilization systems in in the little helis, the little micros, and I just can't believe you know, how the little heli 101 just it will just sit there. And I've often thought, wow, if we ever have that kind of technology in the big ones, you know, as a training opportunity, that that's a game changer. They, you know, yeah. they just lock in. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, we're we're definitely in a in some changing times, I think. Do you think that it's, do you think that it's actually started to pick up just a little bit again or not? Well, I want to think that because I'm an optimist by nature and I'm a business owner. I do think it, it falls kind of on, on the shoulders of all of us to be ambassadors of the hobby and to, to be available at, to recruit young fellows, you know, or young Young people younger than us, anyway, and I don't know if I have the answer on how to do that because um, at the end of the day, it comes right down to you. you people got to want to themselves, you know. Like I was saying earlier, I used to dream about it. I dreamt about it for years before it became a a reality for me. And there's not that many people that are willing to work that hard, <laughs> not in my circle, anyway. <laughs> you know i've been thinking about a, a a bunch of this kind of stuff a little bit lately too and we talk about it awful lot i think we even talked about it the other week with, or the other time with paul as well about you know got to get young kids and young people in the hobby and i was thinking about that afterwards going yeah i'm not going to go and say we shouldn't be getting young people in the hobby but i do think from my own anecdotal observations anyways it seems to be that more of the new people in the hobby are probably in their i would say 30s and getting in at around that time of the of their lives and they're probably you know and i i was the same way like what you were saying too is i dreamt of being able to fly an rc helicopter actually i dreamt of being able to fly a full-size helicopter for all for years and years as a kid always wanted to get into flying helicopters and and 
you know, I've talked about it on the show before that it just never worked out for me to go and get my full-scale helicopter license. And RC has filled that bill for me. And I wonder whether, I'm not saying we shouldn't be trying to get young kids in the hobby, but I almost wonder if it might not be a bad idea to maybe try and more focus on late 20s, early 30s, when dads and and parents are starting to, I guess, almost become a little bit more stable in their lives. Maybe the kids are starting to get a little bit older starting to do a little bit more of their own things and that's maybe a good time to maybe be getting uh you know other people in the hobby kind of a thing today i don't know what do you guys think well i think the you know the systems we have available now with buddy boxing is just amazing you know we probably should be advertising um our events and invite people to you know, to come try it, you know, just, and just give them that exposure. Like, I I don't know, you know, that's, that's just one of the ideas I've had. We could, we could increase that, that level. I don't know, Javier, Frank, what do you guys think? Well, I'm, I'm at odds with it because I do agree that, you know, there, there comes an age where you can't afford it, right? I mean, most people when they're young, you know, they're, either trying to get through school or, you know, going to sports or going to other stuff or, you know, video games or whatever, uh, you know, not, not that big of, of, uh, you know, money investment. Yeah. Most people go into, you know, uh, things that require a lot more investment later in life, but you have to think that, um, what was it? I think it was RCHN when they talked about, you know, what's the prime. I think that they talked with Nick. You know what's the prime of pilots, right? I mean, when do when do you think that that uh, because there's a lot of talk about oh, you know, like like Bert, that you know, old man, right? That you as you start getting older, that you start you know <laughs> not being able to fly as well, Easy. right? <laughs> no, I know, I know, but but you know the the prime of the of the top one percent of the pilots is around between eighteen and twenty according to you know to what we, Nick was saying so we do need to get people like that into the hobby because even though people later in life can afford it they won't get to the level that we all want to see on YouTube or go and see at the fun flies right man people are getting more proficient even as they get older but the prime of really top 1% of the pilots that are the ones that we all turn down turn our heads to and you know, say our, our, our rock stars are these young kids. Yeah. So we do need to make sure that we get those kids as well ramped up into the hobby. And, uh, you know, and I personally don't know how to do it. Um, I, I heard some ideas from Augie also on, on, on RCHN. They interviewed Augie because of this whole thing about, you know, he's, he's being nominated for a board member position. Mm-hmm. and he has all these plans to grow the hobby which are very interesting but uh but you know personally i i i i don't know if i if i have an answer i think that there's good methods it's just difficult to compete what with what's out there you know there's so many choices oh my yes because it's not it's not really that bad to get into the hobby right i mean if you get a you know, and I've always suggested that, you know, a Blade 230S is my favorite thing to, to suggest. You know, it's a $300 helicopter 
that that you get a, a radio, you get a battery, you get a charger, and you get a heli. That's very that's very simple to fly because it has safe, and it's very 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 easy to fix and very cheap to fix. So unless you start, you know, adding you know metal parts to it and and whatnot, but you know, there's still an avenue for people to go into the hobby at a relatively low cost. That's basically what I mean. I mean, it's not unattainable. I mean, it it could be affordable for even younger people that don't have the amount of budget that, you know, people later in life have. But you're competing against a lot of stuff. You know, you're competing about people that go into YouTube and people that go into Instagram, people that go into these types of activities and end up, you know, earning millions of dollars, right? It doesn't happen to all of them, but... Just the fact that it can be done, you know, makes a lot of people drift towards that, right? So there's a lot of things that we have to compete against, I think. Yeah. And even as 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 accessible as they can be and as relatively inexpensive as they can be, and now with um, with things like, you know, more technology that allows for gyro, you know, more gyro corrections to make the thing fly like a drone, for things that are getting started, you know, these thing that we've talked about, the Mikado trainer that, you know, is, is is apparently a really, really good thing to go beyond the body box. You know, you don't actually need someone to be body boxing someone. So, I mean, there's 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 some tools out there, but uh, it's just hard to compete with, with, with what's out there. So um, I personally, I don't have a, you know, a good strategy, but... Uh, but but I do think that we do need to to also target the young kids because those are the ones that will end up being you know the hobby's rock stars, right? Yeah, no, yeah. It used to be the school teachers used to uh, they used to welcome somebody wanted to come by and uh, you know do a demo. Bring your bring your little little guy to the field. You'd show a lot of kids, you know. Yeah. And I don't know what the ratio would be one in. <laughs> one in 500 i don't know <laughs> you know what would have yeah. an interest in it because lots don't like it's like you said yeah there's so many things competing for their time and attention yeah but like you said you know even one in 500 is good right because now right now we have one in ten thousand. yeah yeah right but so, um... that might be something we're missing out guys See, this is one of the reasons why I kind of sometimes wonder if it might. And I'm not saying we don't try and get young kids. I, I, I think it's a, we need to. I really do. But I also wonder if, if focusing too hard on the kids is might not be the best thing either. I mean, uh, I know it didn't happen for me, but a lot of uh, there's a you know there's a huge number of people in the hobby that got into this hobby because of their dad. Yeah. All right. And. That's why I sometimes wonder whether maybe we're, by focusing on the kids, you know, that hard is maybe not the best solution. Maybe we do need to be focusing on the 30-somethings and 40-something-year-olds because if they're getting into it, then their kids might have an interest in it because dad's doing it or mama's doing it or something like that. And, you know, I remember listening to an interview of Kyle Dahl years ago where his his story was his, his mom and dad each decided they were each going to have a hobby of their own and it had to be a hobby that they could take at least one of the kids with them and so Kyle ended up going with his dad to the to the flying field all the time 
Yeah. And I sort of think maybe that's the way we need to get the kids is <laughs> focus on the parents and get them involved. <laughs> and that's where I think a lot of these newer fly wireless systems might be good too, because it does make it a little bit easier for some of the parents to actually learn how to get into the hobby. And then, of course, it's a good segue to get the kids in into it as well. Well, it worked for me. I've got two sons that fly. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> Case in point. Yeah. Although I think yeah. one of your sons flies more often than the other, doesn't he? Well, quite a bit more. But yeah. you know what? <laughs> you never know. Like, he's, yeah. he's got everything they need. So just, yeah. 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 But then, yeah. you know. Like Javier, your boys aren't really interested in at all, are they? No, I tried, I tried, but yeah, they they just dropped it. And I and I I know I didn't want to push them too hard. I wanted them to do what they want to do, but uh, oh, yeah. I did give them a chance to to experience it. To you know, if even get a hand of drones of uh, you know those little drones that I had, get a hand of the simulator, you know, try it out, you know, see what it's about. Uh, talk to them a little bit about it, you know going to the field uh, you know i used to go on father's day with them to the field you know things like that to try to to get them to experience it right but you know they just chose differently mm-hmm. they're they're now both mostly focused on the sports mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's good for them um it's not you know it, as you said you know it's not for everyone i mean it, it has to, it has to have a, a certain type type of person right someone that's that's mechanically inclined on inclined or someone that's electronically inclined, you know, certain type of person will, will end up liking the hobby. Uh, so it's definitely not, not for everyone, but, but what we need to do is, you know, to make sure that more people get to experience it at least, or to yeah. know that it exists. You know, there's a ton of people that I tell, that I tell them what I have as a hobby and they didn't even know that that existed. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So we need to we need to make sure that people at least know that it's an option. And you know, yeah. as we were saying, you know, reduce the ratio, right? I mean, whether it's a guy in their thirties or whether it's a kid or whether it's a you know a retiree that that can go and buy ten seven hundreds instead of a Porsche, you know, uh, to you know to, to 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 get those guys know that there's the option, right? That there's an option to to do this. That this hobby has this to offer. And that they can go in, into it this and this way. But I think that's what we need. We just need, you know, I don't know, Brad Pitt to start flying helicopters or something, you know, uh, <laughs> just just something, something very mainstream that gets people to, to say, hey, you know, that's something cool. I mean, let's let's yeah. try it out. And if they don't want it, I mean, fine, you know, go ahead and try something else. But at least they know, right? Yeah. How Manny, how old were your boys when you when they first started flying and when you started introducing them to it? You know, well, introduce probably as soon as they were born, but I think I think Dustin started showing interest in early teens. You know, um started with a four fifty. You know, and you know where he's at today. I mean he's Yep. He's, he's a pretty good pilot. Yeah, he's doing really, really come on in the last couple of years. He's just put in the time and, uh, you know, <laughs> head down and just kept charging even when things were going wrong, you know. And, yeah, it, he's pretty pretty focused on it. it yeah. You know, that's one of the things I've always felt about heli guys. If you watch them when they're setting up, when they're working on their machines and, getting ready to go fly those guys are 
heli guys are focused and it you know it requires it 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 needs that like somebody that's not focused and he's not going to be successful yeah frank you're staying quiet over there you got any thoughts i think he's far, he's still eating <clears throat> far as getting new people no i i finished my my meal like <laughs> About five minutes into uh, Javier's uh, rant about something, <laughs> fell asleep there for a minute. Fell, fell asleep there for a minute, guys. Sorry. So, far as getting new people versus old people, yeah. So, so I've got. So let me explain like this. So, uh, the problem with getting new people in, there's just so much to do, mm-hmm. and they don't have the money to continue going. Yeah. So if the dad's not a hundred percent like long time RC fan, the chances of it succeeding are slim to none. Mm-hmm. Because after you 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 destroy seven hundred a couple times, it's pretty much done from there. Yep. Yep. Okay, so this brings up another thought of mine, and this is something we've sort of briefly mentioned, you know, touched on already a couple times, is the cost of the hobby then too. Because I've, you know, we, we had talked about this a little bit with Paul last time too, is do you think that the cost of the hobby is actually more expensive to get into this hobby now or less? Manny. Oh, I don't think that it's, it hasn't gone up in ratio of say wages. Cause I can remember in the, in the mid eighties, an XL60 kit in our neck of the woods was $800, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and uh, the transmitters were, what were they? 1500 bucks. And a glow 60 was, and a pipe. I'm thinking we spent 600 bucks for that. Wow. And back at that time, that's a big chunk of your income. Oh, it was too. it was huge. Yeah, you had to you had to be pretty pretty dedicated to figure out how to do it. You know, I mean, uh, on normal family situations. So you would say, in some ways, it's you know, considering the cost. Like if you're saying eight hundred dollars for a kit nowadays a. Uh, you know, or, uh, and that's probably, I'm assuming that was a bare airframe then at that time, right? Oh, yeah, no servos, nothing. No, any, you know, yeah. any. And then when, compare that to the cost of a bare airframe now with today's income. Well, my stance has been all along that we're getting more technology for less money today. We're getting better electronics, better mechanics, way more technology in our transmitters. It's just, you know, it's amazing what we get now. Yeah. And I'm just more thinking cost, you know, cost ratio, especially versus income, right? Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. And I, I think it's definitely far easier to get into this than it ever was. And it's, and then, you know, and last time Javier brought up the point of micros yet too, which I think has been a big help in the hobby too, is just the, 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 the capability of these small little micros. And a great way to get as an entry point into the hobby as well, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it kind of spins back to what you were asking earlier. Where do I see the hobby at? One of the reasons that we're not seeing as many new people, it you know, we've kind of 
just as a society, we don't have mom and pop stores in every little town that the kids can come and see. We just don't, you know. Um, yeah. Used to be every, you know, every hour or whatever, there would be another little hobby store. It's not like that anymore. Not where we live, anyway. Yeah. Well, you had you had a brick and mortar shop for a little while too, did you? Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure, but I just didn't see a lot of walk-in traffic where I was. My location wasn't necessarily suited good for that. It was more of a warehousing setup. Okay. Yeah, I just think it's kind of interesting the way, you know, especially when we talk about how things were back then compared to now. You're right. I think the technology and the cost of entry and all that kind of thing has has really made it well, this is probably one of the best times to get into the hobby right now. Well, there's just... It's one of the easiest times. Well, that for sure, because the support that's out there just at you know, two swipes of a finger, you can, you can find an answer to any question you have. Uh, we never... We didn't have it like that in the, in the early days. Well, and I'm even just thinking in technology of the equipment too. I mean, nowadays, like I you know, was commenting earlier about how often... You know, you'd go to an event and not, you know, one or two helicopters would come home in one piece. And nowadays, you know, one or two helicopters will come home in multiple pieces. Yeah. RCHO given the exception. But the, you know, and that's where I think too, the technology with our fly barless controllers, stabilization and all that kind of thing has really, really made entrance into the hobby far, far easier task. Although... I do sometimes wonder whether some of these, you know, rescue features and things like that have actually also hindered a little bit of progress for some people in the hobby as well. You know, I I can think of names and I won't mention them here, but of people that I know, they're flicking their rescue literally at the very moment something they just don't feel comfortable and they just can't ever push past that. And I do yeah. wonder if that's been a little bit of a hindrance for some people as well. Well, I, I don't know. It's just that, you know, I, I know that this topic has come up before, but, you know, I was thinking about the comments. You know, it, it also has to do a lot with, uh, you know, of course, with the, with the technology that we have in Helis today. But if you go to any fun fly, you will see that, that the vast majority of people are flying competently, if not, mm-hmm. if not very competently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So even though we have those tools, uh, you know there are some people that yeah will probably abuse them and will probably stall on their on the, on their um, uh, you know on their ramp up on their knowledge on their on their progression. But you know it it probably has helped also some other people to gain confidence. I mean, I put myself on ex- as an example. I used to rescue when I was learning when I did when I attempted attempted my very first inverted hover. It went terribly wrong, and I hit I hit rescue, and I came back home with uh, you know smiles as 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 big as the Joker because I had a full heli, and and because I tried something new and I didn't destroy it, you know. So I you know it it helped me it helped me to to gain a lot of confidence and to keep going. So I know that I think that it that that all the things that we have today, you know, the the simulator rescue, you know, all the technologies. Yes, they can be abused, but I see 
you know, what's happening to the hobby and the progression that the pilots have done. And I think that everything has just helped to mm-hmm. to make everyone just fly better because it's just it's just ridiculous, you know, how how good people are whenever I go to events. You know, I'm I feel, you know, I I don't have the time and budget to dedicate as much as I would like to to the hobby. And I know that I probably would have progressed more if that wasn't the case. So I whenever I go to Funfly events, you know, I say, holy crap. I mean, everyone's just like progressed so much since the last time I saw. I mean, everyone's just flying like ridiculously well. So I think that it has helped. So, uh, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not against it just because, you know, if it, if it saves one person from, from dropping out of the hobby or from just taking a hiatus on the hobby, even by gaining them a little bit of confidence, I'm all for it. Um, I know that there's, there, you know, that there's the other argument, right? That, you know, it, it hinders your progression, but as long as you're happy, I mean, there's people that are more than content just flopping around and flying around, right? But mm-hmm. I know that that it's also a big deal when you go simply from upright to inverted. You know, it's a pretty big deal. So if people just do those leaps more, you know, um, with more time in between, they're still in the hobby and they're still consuming and they're still happy, that's fine by me. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not opposed to it either. I think it's actually in a lot of ways is a benefit too, because of exactly what you say. You flick that switch and you're trying something new. You flick that switch because you screwed it up badly and away you go. I remember, I remember years ago back when I had my old Blade 400 and I was getting a little bit cocky and was showing off to somebody and just doing a bunch of backflips is all I could really do. A bunch of backflips and front flips. And I just screwed it up, one of the backflips. And, of course, at that time, this was all flybard still. No rescue of any sort. And sure enough, I put it into the ground. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it goes sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. And at that time, yeah, that particular one that I'm thinking of, if I would have had rescue at that time, yeah, it probably would have saved me a bunch of money and I could have kept flying because I was only 30 seconds into that flight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I crashed and it was my only helicopter, right? So, but then I also look at, have you guys seen that, what do they call it? The FW450 with that H1 fly barless controller thing that uh, I think, uh, I think Heli Direct is going to start selling it. Have you seen this thing advertised? No. Uh, yeah, I have. So they're using you know gps and all that kind of thing for for heading or for gps hold and all that kind of function but the other thing that they're doing is they're doing it so it'll actually go and hold inverted hover for you as well and you flick a switch and it'll actually do a a flip for you it'll act you know it's kind of like some of these little el cheapo drones where you you hit a button and then you push the cyclic stick in one direction and it'll do a flip in that direction. And I saw a video of them going and basically using this system to do a pyro flip for you. You push the rudder to one direction, you flick the switch, it goes inverted, you flick the switch again, and it goes back upright. Hmm. And basically the whole equipment then is doing a pyro, a pyro flip for you. And I kind of go, well, okay, 
isn't that kind of defeating the whole purpose of flying these things too? Yeah, it it could it it could and could not because you know for the same reason. I mean, if you're having fun with it, I mean, there is a good chance that that guy that does that will get bored with that, right? Yes. Eventually, eventually he'll he, this guy will get bored, but he'll probably be hooked. So he'll either start flying without activating those functions or get a different heli that is not limited. So I think that, to be honest with you, I think, uh, you know, the more I think about it, I think that it's just good that that people don't get scared away because, you know, I've heard far too many stories and, and it's frustrating, right? I mean, you spend all this time and money into this machine, you go in, you destroy it, you go back again, spend time and money, go destroy it. And, you know, eventually it, 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 it comes a time where you're crashed out of the hobby, right? Unless you're very persistent or unless you're trying really hard to, to be very careful and learning a lot from, from all of your mistakes, then it's likely that you're probably going to gonna fail, you know? And if you start with big helis, then you'll probably fail much faster. <laughs> so I think that, that it's just good to gain confidence. You know, it's kind of like the same thing as rescue. You know, if, if it starts getting you hooked and, uh, and, and getting you into it, then I think that once you see, because once you get into this world, you start going to the internet, you start going to YouTube, you start going to the forums, you start seeing that there's this whole world underneath of it, right? That there's this whole subculture about it. And then you start wanting to get more, you know? It's like any hobby. All you need to get is get hooked. So yeah. I think that it's a good thing. I, I, but, you know, again, I think that the, that the big problem that we have is advertising. Is that no one really knows that it's such a small niche and people don't really know about it. People don't really know that they have a choice. Yeah. I think that kind of goes in with what I was trying to say. It, the, it comes in from my perspective, it's about exposure. You used to, in every little town, there was a hobby shop. So all the kids knew about it and, you know, they'd ride their bicycles there after school and buy a quart of gas for their little 049 and away they'd go. You know, th those places just don't exist. They they can right. they can find it, you know, on on the net. It you know, we can all be searched out, but we're just not on their block. You know, they I think that's you know, on the market's just done it. it uh, those shops just can't afford to be around like they used to be. You know, we're developing into some supermarkets, you know, bigger and bigger shops and less of those. And uh, so it's it's a challenge. I, that's what I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also one more thing, you know. I, I mean, you're. I think you're perfectly right. I mean, people need to see to believe, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people need to see to believe. Uh, and absolutely, I've you know, there's there's been a lot of comments of YouTube videos that say, "Oh, that's computer generated. Mm -hmm. That's not possible." Right. Right. So you know, but if you go to a store and actually see someone flying it, then oh yeah. This thing is real. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want it. Yeah, and and it's and seeing it for real. I mean, many people have said it. I mean, it's not the same thing. I mean, you you could see a gazillion videos of Cal Stacy, and and you'll be oh, that's awesome. But once you get him fly, you know, you get to actually sit right next to him and see him fly. You're you're not. 
you, you, it's not nowhere near the same experience. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's also one more, I mean, I think that your idea of schools and stuff with that, with STEM, I also, ha- I also know that has been thrown around. Um, I think that that that's a good idea, you know, to actually go knocking on school stores and tell them, Hey, let us show these to your guys and see if they like it or not. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I, I wanted to do that at one point in time, the only thing that I was scared of is, you know, safety. You know, what happens if, um, you know, while I'm doing the demo, it flies around and kills a kid, you know? So th- that's the only thing that I'm scared of, that, you know, these things are 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 cool, are fun, but they can be dangerous. So that's the only thing that I, that I said, you know, uh, I would really like to do this, but, you know, I would rather have Carl Stacy fly the helicopter for me to do the demo, right? So I don't know, um, th- just just ideas, but uh, you know, I think that we've um, we all understand what we need to do. We just need to figure out a plan to to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm making I'm thinking something else here now too. Is fun flies? Yeah. So Manny, have you been to a lot of fun flies in the U.S. at all? I've been to no two. Three? Oh, that's it. Three? Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay, I'm just sort of kind of curious as to what do you think the differences are. Like, you know, I've I, I've been asked by uh, as what what do we think is the difference between a fun fly in Canada and a fun fly in the U.S. And I think fun flies are actually a good way to go and advertise too. And I think we need to be advertising more uh, in papers and radio stations and whatnot. But uh, let's go a little bit off of there now and just sort of may, move a little bit into just what do we what do we how do we think fun flies differ between Canada and the U.S.? What do you think? Are you asking me? A, yeah, because <laughs> I've struggled. I don't know exactly how to go and answer that question. And I have been asked that question myself. Well, <laughs> I don't know. We seem to be more restrained, you know? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Canadians are known because we're, you know, we're, I don't know, we're just too, we're too polite and not assertive yeah. enough. So. The, you know, there's always a few exceptions. We got we, we have a few guys that are not restrained. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, the, I think I can think of who you might be talking about. Well, but you know, the, the the most of us are pretty pretty mellow, you know, and pretty pretty reserved. Yep. Uh, probably more stoic than we should be, you know. And yet, I don't know. I think I I epitomize what we're talking about—a fun fly. Yeah, go there to have fun, you know. Yeah. I, we actually don't do a whole as much night flying as I think other places do. Like Frank, you just came back from RCHO, and I would think that there was probably a huge amount of night flying that went on there, right? Oh, I'm willing to bet that there was more night flying than day flying. No kidding, I saw sparks. I mean, on some of the videos, that yeah. looked crazy cool. Yeah, you saw the ones where we were trying to hit it with uh, fireworks. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we and, and lighting the Christmas tree on fire. Yeah, that was another great one. <laughs> I can I can think of a couple of our pilots that would be into that. <laughs> yeah, I can think of a couple too, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, if somebody's willing to throw parts at it. <laughs> I think the biggest problem out here is some of our fields, some of our club fields wouldn't be too happy if we did something like that. <laughs> well, that's the other challenge we have, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think about that one in Kamloops that I don't think any of the any of that stuff would go over too well. No, they'd be <laughs> probably not. 
Well, we although we did have fireworks one year when the train caught on fire, it was going past. That that was exciting. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was. I think I had gone home already by that point because I think I missed that part. Frank, do you ever get up to the northwest part of your country? Like uh, what the Panhandle in in, in Florida? No, like uh, Washington. No, sir, absolutely not. No, 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 no. There, there is, there's a line that occurs at the longitudinal yeah. latitudinal line through Urcha, yeah. through Muncie, Indiana. Yeah. And I don't go any northern, northern than that. No, sir. No. Okay. No. That's hmm. That's a that's a negative, sir. Okay. I think uh, we I, need I've to been, get Frank I, I, and Javier out this. I way. think so. No, I've been, I've been asked to go to the Snohomish Funfly. Yeah. Which they'll eventually get me to do it when we, when my wife decides to change our vacation dates. Okay. But yeah, I would probably go for that one. I would just go just to visit Augie more than anything. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Weens shows up there. Mm-hmm. That might uh, be possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's far. That's as far as north as I could ever get. Now, it's just oof. I I'm not a fan of the cold. That's why I live in Florida. Mm-hmm. And Javier only lives a few hours away from Urcha, so. Yep. Yep, I can drive there. Mm. Pretty easy. I could too, but it would take 40 hours. <laughs> I've looked at it. I've looked at it. It's it's far. Yeah, I think you might even have a longer drive than I do, and I'm further west. Yeah, it's it, it, it'd be a big one. You'd have to be pretty committed. Uh, if if you're okay, where where could you let listeners know kind of roughly where you are? Well, I'm uh, five and a half hours by car north of Edmonton, Alberta. So how far would that be from the Canada-U.S. border? Um, I think it's eleven hours north. Oh my god! Of the Montana border. That was what I drove on Sunday. Coming back from uh, RCHO. So, if you were to be, you know, if you were to be um, one of the fortunate people that's driving up the Alaska Highway, you would come oh, within about an hour of where I live. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, we're we're way up here. How close are you to the northern end of Alberta border? Uh, another six hours. Okay. So it gives people an idea just how big the country of Canada is too. Cause yeah. you know, Manny and I are probably, well, what is it? 14 hours for you to drive out to my place? Pretty much. Yeah. Is it, yeah. About 14 hours. Yeah, our di- distances are huge. You know, and one of the things that like the one advantage that we have in our, in our summertime is it doesn't get dark till midnight. So yeah, that's, it's kind of hard to get used to cause it's daylight again at four in the morning oh, wow. so it's not dark for long but you can get lots of flying in and i think that's another reason why we don't get a lot of uh, night flying in is um it don't get dark <laughs> you know we could do we could do it in the winter time like it'd have to be an early season fun fly or a really late one in order for us to get darkness really interesting yeah I didn't even think about that, but I think that's a good point. Yeah, we don't, it just doesn't get dark early enough. Yeah. I, um, 
Yeah, now flying is pretty cool. I'm actually talking about that. I got to order some tower lights tomorrow for my fun flight in the next 17 days. Hmm. Having said that, it's not that we've never done night flying. I mean, I still have my night heli, although I took the fly wireless controller off. I don't know, Manny, you don't have, you, do you still have your night heli that you tried um, years ago? No, somebody came along and wanted it worse than I wanted to keep it. So it, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't live here no more. <laughs> Cause that was an 800, wasn't it? Uh, no, that was a 600. The last one. Okay. Yeah. The one where the lights would change. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. No, I, I, and it's something that I've thought of many times before too, because I know I've been asked the question: What are the differences between in fun flies between Canada and the U.S.? And I've, I've struggled to answer that, and I don't know. Yeah. But your, I think your thing about, uh, you know, getting late or dark much later. That's actually a good point as to why we don't necessarily do as much night flying up here as, <laughs> as it is down further south. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm getting old, and at 10 o'clock at night, I'm starting to yawn and look for the bed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can vote for that on a few fun flies, and I look around like, where's Manny? Yeah, huh? <laughs> Well, Manny went back to bed. Oh, come on. It's the best time to start flying again. Nope, Manny went back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but then you're up at like 6 o'clock in the morning ready to start flying again. And I'm still oh, sleeping. at least. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Most days, five. Or some lots of days, anyway. So do you have a whole lot of plans of attending a bunch of events this year? Or have you planned some of that out? Me, myself, I've got, I think, five lined up if, if everything carries on, you know. And I know that um, Harvey's talking about another one. He's just doing the background research. He'd like to have one down there in Surrey again, a um, little, little bit more in midsummer. Okay. And then there's and any others in Alberta and whatnot. Well, there's actually one. We go to one up even farther north from us. There's a group of guys up there that are pretty active, bunch of guys, and not a lot of heli presence there. So I like to attend that one. Uh, it's actually not very far south of the Northwest Territories border. It's kind of kind of fun to go there. Hmm, that would be interesting. Some of the, some of the, I think the last big fun fly I was at in in the U.S. was in Vegas. It was actually the first time I oh, I right. ever seen um, XL Power Helis. They had their their table or little uh, set up there, and Randy and I were talking about it. I said, "Have you heard of those those machines?" And he hadn't heard of them either, and I said, "Well, that's one to watch because." There, that's a good machine, <laughs> and uh, how pro- prophetic that was. Yeah, you know, I remember just before COVID hit, there was a big group of us that was talking of doing trip to Urcha. Any thoughts of that this year? You know, I was actually really thinking hard about the Urcha West one because it's you know quite a bit more doable. But I've heard that's canceled. 
So I think it's definitely on the bucket list. I just don't know. It's something that I have to plan at least a year ahead because I have other commitments roughly around that same time. I'd love to go, you know, and, and meet these other gentlemen and maybe learn something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I still, like I say, said at the beginning, I still need to sort of dis- make some decisions as to how much I really want to continue in this hobby. But I really do think for me, this is the year that I need to try and really, really make a really solid effort of maybe getting to Urcha oh, this year. So okay. I, I really think I need to try. I think I need to do that trip. I really do. When's your dates, yeah, guys? So... When is the dates? Uh, uh, I don't know. I think they, they already had the dates in there. It's usually the be- somewhere around the beginning of August or, or middle of beginning to middle of August or something like that. Is it not? Uh, let me see. Uh, well, they still haven't posted 2023. No. 2022 was August 10 to August 14. Hmm. Yeah. Is Javier, have you thought of going this year? Yeah, I've thought about going this year uh, because I want to, you know, go back to the hobby after my fishing hiatus um, <laughs> this year, mostly because of the raw. Just getting hard to uh, to gather the budget to finish it. But yeah, I I definitely do 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 want to go this year. And uh, if you are going, you know, I'll of course make every effort to go. Yeah. Okay. Well, something we can talk off the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, have we got anything else to go and ask Manny about? Oh gosh, I think we've uh, squeezed his brain pretty much. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of it's squeezing. It's a little late for Manny too. It doesn't take much squeezing <laughs> to empty my brain. And speaking of the time yet, too, I think it's getting a little bit late for Manny now, too, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's probably getting late for, yeah. But, it, you know, that's it's been really fun. I've never done anything like exactly this. I appreciate you guys taking the time to invite me on and listen to a hillbilly. Well, I was really looking forward to it. And I'm, I thank you very much for coming on, Manny. This is something I was, uh, I'm excited to have you on. And it was great. Manny is, you know, I've talked about you a number of times on this <laughs> podcast. You're one of my guys, one of my favorite guys in the hobby, and I always try to make sure I support you. And I just encourage anybody else, especially our Canadian listeners and other ones, if you, you know, from outside of the country too. If you're, if you are looking for something with XL Power, and I, do you still have some old Align stuff? You're not, I know, not really an Align person anymore, but. Do you still have some old Align stuff as well that might be hard to find somewhere else? I have a, I have a colossal amount of Align parts still. Um, what sells first, of course, is torque tube drive gears, output shafts, you know, all those things. Um, but yeah, all the way from 450, 500, I've got, I probably have every part still for 500s, I think. And a mixture of 600, 700, 760, and no 800 parts left. But there's still a ton of aligned parts in my shop. Yeah. Oh, there we go. So 
if anybody ever did want to try and get a hold of you, what's uh, what's a good way to get a hold of you? Well, the simplest way is just um, look up Farfast, one word. Um, our little website, farfast.ca, is how to get me. And every, everything's there, phone number, email. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I... I, I, one of the things I was going to mention earlier is is lipos. That that's one of the challenges in in the hobby. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I used to sell lipos, but it it's that's a hard one because I found your <laughs> there's always that's that's a hard one to be a hero with. Um, people expect a lot of things out of their lipos, and that it's not like selling parts or mechanics. Um, lipos are tough. They're a tough market. If yeah, if you find if you find a good battery, you find a good source that's reliable, and uh, man, I'd just stick with them. Yeah, yeah. You should talk to, to Frank and uh, and see where that goes. Um, yeah, because yeah, he's he's yeah he's uh, he's he's also um, you know the uh, the U.S. team manager for Maniacs. So um, so you should you should talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Javier, want to take us out? Yes, I think it's uh, it's time for us to go. So first of all, Manny, I uh, want to thank you for being with us. It was um, really fun to chat around and uh, to have two Canadians on the show. It was... Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> We're taking over, you know. <laughs> yes, I see that. I see that. <laughs> It was it was really fun. Um, I truly appreciate it, Manny. Thanks for the time and thanks for you know keeping also uh, the hobby alive with you know being in the business of the hobby as well. So thank you very much for all your efforts, for all that you are supporting the hobby, for your enthusiasm, um, for your for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, anytime, anytime, Manny. Um, we always say to any of our guests that, that of course, they're more than welcome to come back uh, here again. Yeah. Oh, actually, I just forgot, too. You're bringing in miniature aircraft stuff now, too, are you not? Indeed. Um, we started with a, brought in a couple of Whiplash 730s, and they were gone out the door. And right now, we're holding our breath, waiting for the new, some more info on the new gasser that's coming, so... You know, it just gives a guy, uh, people uh, an option. What I'm finding is people that had XL60s and whatnot way back 20 years ago have got happy sentiment <laughs> in their mind, and they are really, really interested in buying another one of them again. You know, they so who knows where that goes? Hmm. Cool. Cool. All right. So you've already told us, Manny, how to get in touch with you. Uh, Mr. Weens, if we want to get in touch with you, how would we do that? Oh, you can try on Facebook, but I'm not always very quick on responding to Facebook messages. Best way is probably send me an email, rchellydarren at gmail.com, all one word. All right. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me, uh, toadiscall at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram. I think it's Toadie's Coil, uh, or you can also find me by Javier Moreno. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube. Um, I think I now have, and uh, I think that you two implemented the at names, so at Toadie's Coil, you should be able to find me as well. 
uh, on YouTube if you want to chat that way. Of course, Heli Freak. Uh, I'm also Tody Scoilies in there if you want to PM me uh, or, um, you know, that's another good way to reach out to me. If you want to drop us um, any comments um, for overall for the podcast, I think that the best avenue is uh, just putting a comment in Podbean. That's uh, what I usually try to keep an, an eye on. Um, I haven't really checked uh, iTunes, to be honest. I don't know if we've had any re- reviews in there or, or not, but I'll try to look in there. So if you've dropped us a review in there, it's also very appreciated because it helps the algorithm ha- helps us to get to get found better. So, um, so that's uh, I guess that's it for today. So, want to thank all of our listeners. Thanks very much for listening, and uh, see you next time. And don't forget, Frank we can reach him via Facebook as well. Oh, for sure, for sure. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, Frank uh, had to drop off at the at the last minute. It was getting late for him. So, yeah, uh, Frank Moragios. You can look him up on um, on Facebook and, of course, at the um, RC Heli Hangout Facebook group. Yeah. So until next, All right. uh, next until next time, it's skids up. You bet. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very much so. Thank you very much, and uh, see you next time. You bet. See ya. Bye-bye. Bloopers and outtakes. Bloopers and outtakes. And there was much rejoicing. Guys, I'm going to have to order some food because even though I had dinner, I'm still hungry. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen you so happy to hear someone talk, man. Jesus Christ. You should have seen it when we, you should have seen it when we had Burt camera on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know how much I'm a big Goblin fan, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. this is why this is why Wings got my vote to come into the podcast because this kind of abuse that we can give to Javier. I definitely think the first time. Uh, when guys buy their first goblin, there's a pack of Kool-Aid in there. They mix it up, they drink it, and you know they're they're in. It's just it's like a cult. They're hooked for life, right? That's it. They never get out until they try. Next Javier, have you got an answer to that? <laughs> I've been I've been I've been hiding in the shadows. Yeah. There's another voice. Excellent. Uh, Manny yes. Javier Gobl- is our a goblin fanboy. Okay. Yes, goblins are great. Goblins are good. You keep telling yourself that. That's good. <laughs> I don't know. Javier Javier has has, has a seven hundred now. So we're gonna see how much of a fanboy he is. Okay. If, if anything. I'm not saying when if ever something goes wrong with a helicopter in the air and it goes in. Oof. Mm. 
I cannot, I cannot wait to hear that, that oh. rant because that will be a rant for the ages. That rant will complete anything I've, I've ever said. And yeah, I've said a lot of the, lot that'll, of shit. that'll be fine. Yeah. I will complain even if it's uh, next level power and it costs me less. I mean, I don't <laughs> care. I mean, you know me. I'm always crying for money. So whatever, whatever helicopter I crash is gonna be a, a, a big issue for me. So. No problem there. <laughs> and I'm trying right now, so I'm probably going to have to step out for a second because I'm trying to order some food because my fat ass is hungry. So, yeah. So, no diet for me tonight. I am hitting... I am, I am hitting Taco Bell like it owed me money. I'm going to beat that shit <laughs> down. Oh, I don't know about this. What do you think, Javier? It's, I, I think that you heard it here first. <laughs> no, I heard you say stop. I heard you say stop recording. <laughs> the, the recording is still going. <laughs> yeah. We we always have to put some sort of a blooper at the end of here. Every time. <laughs> <laughs>